Hello, welcome to this uh, episode again. I'm Marike de Witte. I'm a clinical psychologist, sexologist working at Maastricht University. I'm doing a lot of research on sexuality. I also teach on sexuality. And today we're going to talk about sex again. Now, when we think and, and talk about sexuality, I think it's really important to take into account um, diversity and, and diversity is also cultural differences. Now, we do know that societal beliefs and culture has a strong impact on our sexual development, on our sexual attitudes or behavior, um, determines what is allowed, what is not allowed. And culture and religion will also have an, uh, an effect on how you present uh, sexual problems and whether you will seek treatment for sexual problems or not. Now, I'm raised in Belgium. I'm uh, influenced by Catholicism. I had sex education at school. I, had, uh, I could openly talk about sex with my parents, with my friends. So this has clearly affected my sexual development and my values and, and my attitudes. But obviously, there are so many different cultures. And uh, what I notice a lot is that there's so much prejudice, so much misconceptions about the impact of culture and especially religion on sexuality. And um, so what we actually want to do here in this podcast is kind of uh, raise awareness and, and inform you all and, and induce curiosity so that we can all respect each other's culture. Uh, but obviously, I'm not an expert in all these different cultures, so that's why I have invited uh, several students with a different cultural background so that we can talk a little bit more about how uh, their culture, their religion has affected their sexuality. So welcome. We have three students here. Maybe you can introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Avery. I am a master's student uh, in psychology. Um, I'm specializing in developmental psychology at the moment. Um, I am originally from Korea, born and raised. And then uh, in my puberty, I went to the US, lived there for eight years. Then I moved to Germany for a year. And now I'm in the Netherlands. So I hope I can uh, contribute a little bit about my story. Okay, nice. Looking forward. Uh, hello everyone, I'm Rana. I'm doing my bachelor here in psychology. I'm originally from Egypt, born and raised, but um, through my high school I moved to Cyprus, uh, the Greek part of Cyprus, and that has also influenced a lot of about me. And then I moved here to the Netherlands, which further influenced me and my ideas and um, beliefs. I was uh, raised a Muslim and I practice Islam as my religion, and I'm really excited for this chance to talk about that and learn from other uh, cultures as well. Okay. Um, I'm Hanya. I'm also a third year psychology student and I was born in Germany, but I come from a family that uh, comes from Iraq, the northern part of it. So, um, yes, my parents were refugees. Um, I was born and raised in Germany, but that sort of gave me the, the in-between perspective. So I've had sort of a bicultural upbringing, I would say. And yeah. Okay, this is going to be an interesting podcast. We have so many cultural diversity here. Um, let's maybe just start with this idea that there are so many um, prejudice, misconceptions about the impact of culture and religion. How do you experience this? this what are the most common misconceptions uh, regarding your culture, your, your religion and how it impacts your sexuality? That's a big question to start I with. I know, I know. <laughs> but let's, let's just say, do you experience this prejudice? Do you know that there is a lot of misconceptions? There is already a lot of misconceptions when just talking about Islam in general. Often people already assume women are oppressed, men are more liberated, men are more likely to have these sexual endeavors and that's okay for them, but for women it's not. But actually that's not the case. It's both 
Islam talks a lot about equality between men and women. And sometimes you have confirmation bias. And if you're looking for something that would say this gender is more privileged than the other one, that is in the Quran, it's there. But also you have to look at other verses that are then talking about how women should be treated as equally as men or how women are privileged in this aspect rather than men. So these are the kind of things that I always try to look yeah. at when I look at it, because a lot of the times I see someone with a specific verse and they're saying, see, in Islam it says that. I, I have a verse, I, I read it on Google or whatever. I'm like, yeah, but there is like the whole book yeah, there. There's exactly. other verses about different things. And specifically with sexuality, because I think a lot of Muslims are very uh, private and, and shy and intimacy is very... Um, into their close to their hearts and they're not very open about it then a lot of people think that oh but that's oppression that's why they're but yeah, no it's yeah. not it's just something that is private and mm -hmm. i think that's okay if i don't want to talk about it that's fine for yeah. me but at least i should get the right education about it so i know what i'm doing and i know that i'm doing it in a safe manner as well yeah exactly but i think it's also important to make this distinction between what is culture and what is religion uh, because you could also say like oh uh, people feel shy or sex is a little bit of taboo but mm -hmm. is this a religion Thing, is this purely uh, ascribed to the Islam mm -hmm. or there are so, sort of cultures who are more closed and who are more preserved and traditional and, and in which there is less sexual openness. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that sometimes we make these conclusions about religion while it's actually culture because mm -hmm. the same um, uh, religion can have a different impact regarding on uh, depending on culture. I mean, Honya, you also are raised in a more Muslim um, culture yeah. or uh, Muslim religion. Do you feel that there is a yeah, difference between religion, culture, and... Um, yeah, definitely. I think especially with Islam, like, it, it's so diverse looking at what country you're actually from. And I feel like it's really interesting that you bring it up um, with the oppression aspect. I feel like at this point, there's such a negative connotation with Islam that mm -hmm. the moment you're like a woman, it's like you have to be oppressed, yeah. you know? Yeah. You have to be unhappy. Yeah. And that's really not the case we really have to look into like the individual cases the individual development of the country that we're talking about so we just simply can't generalize yeah exactly that's a big part of it i feel but i i feel like there are so many misconceptions about the islam so many prejudices and i think probably it's because we have most uh, experience with islam or most people in our in, in, in immigrants living in our country are Muslim, so that's why probably we have all these misconceptions. There's so much prejudice that there's more violence or more sexual risk behavior, but often it has to do with the fact that uh, people with immigration backgrounds sometimes have a lower socioeconomical status because they're less integrated, uh, which is yeah, also exactly. our fault. Uh, and, uh, and and I think that's it's it's mainly the lower socioeconomical status that determines the sexual risk behavior rather than the culture or the religion, because also people without immigration background will display. Um, have a bigger chance of, of, of sexual risk behavior. So I think this is really important that we take that to, into account and that we not necessarily uh, ascribe this directly to, to religion. I also like the, the thing you said about uh, Islam and about this idea that, that there's more equality than we, mm -hmm. we, we think there is. Yeah. And, and I, I remember this term nikah, which is about... Nikah, yeah. uh, nikah is it's like that sex is an important part of marriage and the nikah is really about shared sexual pleasure. It's really about both enjoying it yeah. and and also the sexual pleasure of, of women is so important. And what I what strikes me so much is that when people, before they're married, they have to go to the uh, imam and then they learn about how to please 
a, yeah. a, a woman sexually. They learn about the clitoris. They actually learn about how a woman can climax and, and, and what is important for her to reach orgasm. So there's so much focus on the sexual pleasure of women, but we don't think about that. As Again, because we have, we have this idea that women are repressed. Mm -hmm. eh? So that's really interesting to, to, to know about the Islam. Yeah, yeah I, I was talking with Hanya earlier before we started recording because I was reading a lot about uh, sexuality in Islam prior to the podcast because I also wanted to expand my knowledge a little bit. And there's a lot about foreplay. There's a lot about um, different ways to... So, for example, one of the rules is that you're not, you, you cannot be wasteful. And I, I, I kept reading like, okay, how can you not be wasteful? And I read more about it and it's like, oh, you can use a lot of things. You can use chocolate syrup or ice cream and whipped cream, but just don't waste it. And I was like, wow, I never knew about yeah. this. And it talks a lot about the equal pleasure of both the women and the men. And one of the things that they talk about is sometimes for the women, it's not much about the climax part, but it's really about the foreplaying and the experience beforehand. And uh, men are told to first groom themselves, the, to approach the woman very kindly and pleasurably. So it's, it starts very smooth. And that foreplay is a really big part of it. And I was like, yeah, see, it's, it's, it's for both. It talks about, yes, pleasure yeah. for men, but there's a lot for pleasure for women. As yeah, well. and also coming from a country like Egypt, where in if a woman is not pleasured sexually, she can divorce the her yeah, husband. Exactly. She can file for that, and she can divorce them. And then I think when somebody tells me, "Oh, you're oppressed," or it has to be an arranged marriage that you don't want to be in, I'm like, "No, that's not no. the case." Sometimes, yes, it. These are cases that happen, and I understand this prejudice and discrimination comes from cases that do happen, but it's not generalizable to the whole population. For example, if you talk about one country that has one example, it doesn't mean that there's 1.6 billion Muslims exactly, around but, the world. We're not it, all oppressed. It's like you say, for example, also in Egypt, I know that, that, that women are much more dominant mm -hmm. than, than we expect or we think, but yeah. we often have this comparison, for example, with Saudi Arabia, which mm -hmm. is also a Muslim country, and there we do know that a lot of women have less rights Mm -hmm. uh, in general yeah. and so then we have this impression oh, okay you see it's a Muslim country so women are repressed and again that this is a difference between religion and culture because yeah. it's just a different culture yes. having a different impact yeah but so we are thinking about uh, Islam we have a lot of, of, of experience with maybe Avery you can share a little bit about what is the most common religion and 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 and, and uh, in, in um, Korea in Korea uh, about half of the population is religious and of those uh, half of the population, uh, so out of 50%, 20% uh, is Buddhist, 20% is Protestants, and 10% uh, Catholic. Yeah. And we have long history of Confucianism that mm. has affected our history as well, which has been there, I think, the longest. And so all these uh, religions and mixture um, has kind of led our people to kind of repress any talk about sex mm -hmm. and sexuality. So we are a little bit behind on the openness mm -hmm. uh, of the conversation regarding this uh, topic and yeah. Yeah. So um, if we think about Korea and Asian, are there any um, restrictions or rules or prescriptions regarding sexuality in your culture? Yes, I can't speak for all of the East Asian cultures, but at least for Korea, um, about everything is taboo. So any conversation regarding sex, even dating or let's say one night stands, we don't talk about it with friends, even the closest friends that we grew up with, we don't talk about it. And um, 
I don't know how individuals uh, in Korea at the moment think uh, about homosexuality, for example, but um, dating another for for me to date another woman um, it's fine for men to do the same it's fine but anything other than that is legally not allowed mm. for example marriage or partnership or adopting a child um, that is not allowed and because there's so little conversation about sex um, any sexual specific sexual behaviors for example um, yeah anal or blowjobs or anything like that it's just off the table yeah. nobody talks about it people may do it but they, right. no, nobody will talk about it nobody will talk about it and nobody knows about it mm -hmm. I, i'm okay. not aware yeah yeah so do, did you ever talk about sex with your parents is that common or if you say it's a taboo to talk about sex with friends can can children talk with their parents about sex perhaps some may i would believe but I myself haven't, mm -hmm. and I have quite liberal mother, but very conservative father. Mm -hmm. um, I never had a sex talk. Um, and yeah. yeah. So I there's a, again this this closeness, this restriction when it comes to talking about mm -hmm. sex. Maybe um, Honya, can you also talk about that? How was that in in your uh, development? Um, can can you openly talk about sex? Um, I think it's a really interesting thing that I thought about when it comes to speaking about these sort of topics with my family. I feel like, well, I was I, I was raised in Germany, so I, um, I got the sex education and all that. So it wasn't like taboo per se for my life personally. Mm -hmm. But still, this is a topic that I don't necessarily would just bring up with my parents, not because I feel like they wouldn't be open to it, but because Honestly, I wouldn't be open to do it, but yeah. I'm fine with it. Like yeah. it's yeah. I feel like a lot of people with like this with a culturally diverse background have found peace within just having like I'm going to talk about these sort of topics with these sort of people with my friends, for example. Yeah. And I'm going to yeah, I'm going to use this field for, for my parents yeah exactly and yeah. Um, yeah and maybe that's not that different from a western culture in the sense that also we have sex education at school and and some people will more openly talk about sex with their mm -hmm. parents but there are a lot who are not even when we have more sexual openness and tolerance so i think uh, again that this might be not really it's more like an individual thing mm -hmm. like how openly can you talk about sex with your parents yeah. um depending on, on on which culture i mean some cultures are clearly more restricted like you say it's taboo to talk about sex in korea maybe rana is it in, in your country your your culture is it taboo to talk about sex with friends with parents it is pretty much a taboo like i i see a clear distinction when i talk about it here with my friends in the netherlands or back in cyprus and then when i do it in egypt because when i do it in egypt there's still this um uh, not to get political but kind of patriarchy it's that that's for men no that's that only men want that and because women are not taught from kind of like a young age or from puberty a lot about uh, sex their sexual needs as well because they have them as well they just don't think about it and they don't talk about it and i remember i was 18 and i had a class in in cyprus and it was a psychology class and they were talking about masturbation i had no idea what masturbation meant and i raised my hand in class as 18 years old and i asked oh, what damn. is masturbation and the whole class started laughing i was like what what happened and my friends like told me like oh it's, it's enjoying yourself you have sex with yourself like 
what is that? I, d- I had no idea about what that whole concept is. And then I went back to my mom and I think she was uncomfortable with it and I was uncomfortable with it, but she still tried to teach me and yeah. have that conversation. And now whenever I have any question and stuff like that, I'm able a little bit to talk with her, but still, as Hania mentioned, I, I think I'm the one who's uncomfortable with it. Mm-hmm. So I keep these conversations mostly to, with my friends back, um, back here in the Netherlands or in Cyprus, but not with my friends in Egypt. I don't know, what about you guys? Do you see this distinction between your friends here and then your friends back home? I would say so. Um, Here or back in America when I used to live there, we didn't, I didn't have any apprehension to talk about any Mm -hmm. of this. Um, And we're all curious, to be honest, uh, because who really talks so openly about sex or have been taught by parents how to behave in certain ways. Um, So, yeah, the conversation is pretty open here, but in Korea, I have to be really careful who I'm opening up to, mm. so mm. I don't Definitely. offend anyone. Yeah. Um, mm. feel that, yeah. but would people judge you? I mean, is this what if you if you're like more uh, this kind of uh, we get into contact with different cultures? Uh, you you raised in a more traditional, restricted culture, and then you sort of get all these Western ideas about sexual openness. So I can imagine that this creates some kind of back and forth swing between, on the one hand, wanting to be loyal to your traditional values, but on the other hand, being curious about mm-hmm. this more open idea about sexuality so I think yeah how how do you deal with this do you feel this tension like on the one hand being influenced by your own culture and your own religion and at the same time also being raised and having friends in in who have different values different ideas about sexuality how did it affect you this uh do you feel any tension I myself don't feel any tension per se because I am a bit careful when I choose to talk about this back in Korea mm-hmm. with my friends. Um, I think I don't feel it per se, but I see that I'm also very careful with who I talk to back home when I do want to talk about these things and do want to open up. But then I also see a lot of the times people have misconceptions then because they were never actually learned about it. We never, I never, in Egypt, we don't have sex ed classes. That's just not a thing. And then a lot of the times then parents kind of send out the information that they already know, sometimes that it's outdated or it's not healthy. Like we know new research says something different about this. No, that's not the way you should do it. And when we don't have these conversations and we don't even have education about it, that's not that's not going to be spent around. And then a lot of the times people have performance issues or they have um, different desires that they just cannot fulfill because of it and because there's no room for that conversation yeah. I think okay if you don't want to talk about it if you don't want that whole openness but at least educate about it yeah. because there's disorders within it there's yeah. health things that so you can see the benefits you're clearly influenced by hey it can be different people mm-hmm. can be more open and you can see the benefits of more openly talking about sex because you feel like it can prevent a lot of problems yeah. eh? because I think it's indeed what you say sex education is so important and in in, in Belgium and the Netherlands obviously it, it's more common to have mm-hmm. the sex education but still I mean in, in sex education it's much about prevention and STIs and mm-hmm. and it's too little about sexual pleasure and mm-hmm. and how to please yourself how to please others so I think there's still a long way to go even when we have sex at at school I think we still uh, need to sort of work on the content but also even within Western countries there's differences I mean like in UK for example there is no sex education at school mm. so it's not a common western thing also like in in the states it's, it's also some 
areas are much more restricted to talk about sexuality or about sex education. Latin America, for example, sex education is not important. So there's so many different cultural differences when it comes to sex education, although we do know that it clearly has a positive impact on um, yeah, preventing sexual risk behavior. Uh, we know that in countries where there is no sex education, like for example, UK, there are a lot of uh, teen pregnancies. And so I think we really should open up a little bit more, uh, but also, uh, yeah, it's not only the task of schools, it's also parents needing yeah, to course. talk about sexuality, because yes. at this point, we are I mean, also in, in more traditional cultures, um, people are curious and there's the internet and there's so much information on the internet. So they're looking for information on the internet and a lot of people are misinformed. Yeah. Um, and I, so, so it's, it's only, yeah. So there, when there's no openness to talk about it, when you cannot check with friends, how do you experience this or mm -hmm. check with your, your parents, then you might be misinformed and, and have these very strange ideas about sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree with that. And I feel like it's there's an immense pressure for people that have this exposure to multiple cultures that I feel like there's almost sort of a general identity crisis to go through to find yourself, you know, because you have the Western world that you identify with. You have these cultural aspects that you see. And I feel like it's so like difficult for us, especially to just find yourself in this yeah. what are my own norms what are mm. my values yeah. before you can even think about how the culture and how the western culture affects you yeah you know what i mean it might create some confusion do you, do you think that some people because of this contact with modernization and western cultures that they become even more traditional that they become even more traditional and restricted in terms of attitudes and behavior regarding sexuality as a way to kind of idealize these traditional beliefs as a, as a result of radicalization can also have like this backwards effect. I, I think that happens quite often actually because then also a lot of the times when you don't let people then practice it the way they want to practice it and you put pressure on them to be the way that you want them to be. So for example, if I can imagine someone coming to coming here to the Netherlands, for example, and they're told to be a little bit more open, even though it's something very private to them and they keep holding on more and more to them, it could result in this radicalization because they want to keep true to themselves yeah. or whatever beliefs and uh, traditional ideas that they have. And then because they see that all this openness, they have this anxiety maybe yeah. per se, that makes them know I have to hold on more to this. I, this is my idea and I hold close more, yeah. I hold close more to that. So I think it could work that back ways. And I've seen it actually with people that when I try to speak with them, it's really that way. No, 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 we have to hold true. No, yeah. we cannot let But that it's also about us. not losing your identity. Course, eh? you, yeah. you, you have a certain identity, you come into another country and you want to stick mm. to mm -hmm. your, your traditions and, and identity. You don't want that because it's very, can be confusing because yeah. there's kind of sometimes a clash between cultures mm -hmm. at certain points. I mean, there's a lot of common. Eh? We don't always have to think about how different we are. Mm -hmm. We also have a lot of common. But at some, like in terms of sexuality, there can be very much extreme different thoughts and ideas and behaviors. And so that can be confusing for, for young people eh, who have to find their way in their identity in these different worlds. Yeah. Now, we were before talking about um, uh, misconceptions and, 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 and the idea that Islam and, and so that there are so many. Uh, it's also about women's pleasure, shared sure. pleasure. There's so much positive. But on the other hand, there are also some rules or, or things that are prohibited. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most, um, I think, striking things is like um, having no sex before marriage. Yeah. 
I, I say it a striking thing. It's just striking for me because from a Western perspective, this is really strange. Mm -hmm. eh? um, uh, because uh, when we grow up, we call this the sexual interaction career. And I have talked about this in previous episodes that we gradually explore each other. We gradually explore sexuality. Indeed, we start with masturbating and then we, we, we start then with kissing somebody and we touch above the clothes, under the clothes, we touch the genitals and eventually we go to penetration. Mm -hmm. It takes about three years or something. So we gradually learn to know sexuality. But of course, if there's like no sex before marriage and then there's the wedding night, you never touched each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then at a certain point, then it's, it's, it's got to happen. So mm -hmm. without any buildup. So there's a lot of often performance demand in yeah. men because, yeah, I mean, they need to perform. So there's premature ejaculation, often erectile dysfunction as a result. Women are afraid mm -hmm. what's going to happen. It's going to hurt. So there's a lot of fear. So there's vaginism, dysparunia. So, I mean, I don't want to judge the, 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 the tradition about having no sex before marriage it's just it might increase the risk of sexual problems because yeah there's not a gradual buildup i don't know what you think about that also maybe avery in your culture it's also korean how do you they think about no sex before marriage or premarital sex i think people openly um, expect uh no sex before marriage mm -hmm. but everyone also knows that that's not very realistic mm -hmm. um so it seems that people are doing it, but they don't tell they it. They don't talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. The, mm -hmm. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah. I, yeah. Would so, it come along with like extreme judgment by the society mm -hmm. in a country oh, like Korea? Oh, if it was broken, um, maybe not the society, but definitely people around them, the close mm -hmm. uh, knit, yeah. uh, family, the immediate okay. family, they will be very disappointed for I sure see. but nobody will ever talk about it the family won't talk about it with yeah. anyone else mm -hmm. unless there's pregnancy in which case a lot of people just get married yeah yeah to oh, just yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Makes sense. to circumvent that mm -hmm. that's uh, how it used to be also here in, in when we were, were strongly influenced by catholicism mm -hmm. but but you say the sort it seems that um people are ashamed that that somehow you do it but you would be ashamed to talk about the fact that you had sex before marriage right yeah but would it be a problem for example if you had sex before marriage with other partners and then you you don't need to be a virgin to marry or, or would, would sort of a male partner expect you to be a virgin would would that be a reason to cancel the wedding for example if you're not a virgin perhaps if they are very devout about that belief um mm -hmm. protestants uh, catholics there are cases where people do keep their um, virginity until marriage uh, but it's not a very strong belief, let's say, then. It's just more something that is assumed, but right. not that much judged in the mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. So how is it in, in Egypt or in, in, in Islam culture? Um, I think, again, we can make the differentiation between culture and religion. So from the religion aspect, for both partners, they're supposed to wait until uh, marriage to have sex with each other. But then there's the culture aspect that sometimes gives a free ticket to men. There's, they're, they're men, that sentence, they're men, men are men, and they can they can have a little bit more freedom with it, but actually in religion, it's not this, it's equal for both yeah. men and women, they're both supposed to wait. And I I know some people abide by that rule, and some people actually follow it to, to, the, to the minute, but when we're talking about Islam, a lot of the times, I think I mentioned this earlier, you're supposed to, be, to do it slowly, you're supposed to groom first, you're supposed to... Um, 
there's also mutual masturbation is allowed in Islam. So that's something you should you can start with slowly. Okay. And that's where, again, the education part would be very prevalent because they can learn that it, it that performance and that demand on one night of the first time. And exactly. no, that's not that's not the same. A lot of for a lot of people, the first time is not that good it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and it's a little bit you have to find kind of a groove for each other yeah. the different and also if even if you've had sex before different partners like different things so i think education again here will be very beneficial because then you can learn okay it's not it, i don't have to get so much in my head about performing i can start slowly yeah we can start with again mutual masturbation or a little bit of foreplay experience so then you have this gradual exactly. build up it that's how it should yeah. be if you mm. actually listen it would to prevent a lot of problems yeah exactly yeah that's the thing if you actually listen to the religion aspect of it that's how it should be you don't just go straight to it you're supposed to a, a little bit yeah. uh, groom a little bit you can have whatever you want to be- yeah. do foreplay uh, masturbation you can all do all of that together and start experiencing each other and learning each other's groove and then you get to that point yeah. it's, it's supposed to be gradual but a lot of people think like oh no it's the wedding night it, it, yeah. I have to it has fully to, perform yeah. it has to be mm. perfect and also I think a lot of media put emphasis on that a lot in a lot of movies when it's the first uh time having sex yeah, and, stuff obviously. Like, and it's perfect and it's, and it's also there's a lot of emphasis on penetration eh? yeah let's just let's exactly. just uh, face it that's what happens but you do say that like in a way uh, premarital sex it's forbidden it, it's yeah. not uh, uh it's not allowed but there seems to be a difference between men and women because that's something remarkable and a lot of culture there's this emphasis on female virginity eh? yeah like mm-hmm. uh, you have to oh, be yeah. a virgin and it's kind of a means to control the female body and the exactly. female sexuality yeah. yeah because we do see these different rules for men and women eh? yeah. let's so it, 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 it think let me think a little bit more about this gender inequality mm-hmm. yeah? the, this privileges that men have when it comes to sexuality we do see that in a lot of cultures so also for example men are allowed to marry uh, they choose a wife and they can marry four wives for example mm-hmm. eh? and and it's it's often this uh, polygamy how is it like in, in korea is there also do you feel that there is this gender inequality because we sometimes have this prejudice like asian women are passive when it comes to sexuality male dominance i think there is no visible gender inequality but um i did a little research before this podcast and I saw that uh, more than 50% of men um, wanted a virgin wife when they get married. But uh, I don't think there's visible gender inequality Mm -hmm. at the moment in the society when I walk around the streets talking to my friends. Um, But for example, for marriage, uh, less than 30% of women um expect or want a partner a husband who hasn't had mm-hmm. um sex before mm-hmm. whereas more than 50% of men expect their wives to be virgin yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah there's this unspoken inequality mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. expectation of uh uh mm-hmm. male and female when it comes to sexual intercourse mm-hmm. but yeah, other than that, mm-hmm. I'm not very well aware of specific. But I think, yeah, on the other hand, you could say, is it, is it like different in Western culture? Because we also have this double sexual standard, yeah, right? Exactly. If men have multiple sexual partners, it's okay because mm-hmm. they're experienced. But if women have multiple sexual partners, we are a slut. So yeah. it's still there. And I don't think that, I, I think we can see that in every culture that there's some kind of gender inequality. But I think in some cultures, it might be more visible. Yeah. Uh, for example, I also think about Latin America, which there's really a macho culture. There's a lot of gender inequality there. 
a lot of sexual rights are being violated. Women don't have the right to decide on their own body. Um, it's also when we think about, yeah, when we think about what is forbidden, for example, abortion is forbidden in a lot of cultures. Uh, it's also like women cannot decide on their own body. Yeah? Um, maybe other, also something that is often in a lot of cultures forbidden is homosexuality. Mm -hmm. yeah, you touched mm -hmm. upon it that you say like, uh, um, homosexuality is forbidden, people cannot, are not allowed to marry. Uh, you can date maybe that's what we also sometimes see in cultures uh, that they tolerate the behavior yeah. in the sense that okay we know that men have sex with men but you it cannot be part of your identity you have mm -hmm. to marry a woman but you can sort of like let's tolerate the behavior but it cannot be part of your identity and you certainly cannot marry um, so you, you told about in Korea that this is the case that homosexuality in a way that you cannot marry uh, right they cannot marry and I just had a little conversation with a friend of mine back in Korea who was uh, born and raised there and then also went to the U.S. Uh, at later in life and what I found shocking was uh, that person had told me that before I went to the U.S. I actually didn't see uh, homosexual individuals mm -hmm. as equal to yeah. cis yeah. gendered persons and I went well okay that's shocking but what made you change your mind and uh, he said, well, when I went to the States, uh, in my high school, there was not a sex ed, but uh, like a counseling group. Mm -hmm. So like 10 to 12 students would be sitting with um, one teacher, and then they would go through and talk about what happened in their week and whatnot. And in that group was a homosexual uh, classmate. And then through that, and then t by seeing how his friends around him, who are also cis, uh, talk to that homosexual individual and um, kind of embracing and just, yeah, treating them like normal yeah. people. That yeah. changed his mind. And yeah. so I'm wondering, okay, he's my kind of age and still thought that yeah. homosexuality was sin and like it's something that should not be done. And it was quite shocking. And I believe mm -hmm. that might still hold true for a lot of individuals yeah. back But home. there are many cultures in which it's clearly like forbidden. Like I think about Poland, for example, in which you cannot really openly express your, your right. homosexual behavior. You cannot, I mean, that it is, I don't know how it is in, in, in your culture, maybe Honya, if you want to share something um, about yeah, coming LGBTQI in general, so not only homosexual, but also trans person. What do people think about? Yeah, um, yeah coming from Iraq, um, the north of it it's like homosexuality is widely unaccepted i would say um even though there's like this growing and huge i feel community there that is living under the table um society is not accepting of it at all and um, i actually have a trans cousin who is living in iraq and uh, who has transitioned and is still in the process of it and it is just it has never been spoken about like that person just transitioned and is now like even even more determined to display these masculine traits mm. even more than like yeah. perhaps a, a, a male-born person would um, want to exert you know mm. so it's 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 again sad and also i feel like the transition from female to male is more accepted than from male to female why yeah. oh. because again you don't want to be a woman in that yeah. country you know yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's considered to be the weak oh. yeah. gender so it's really interesting looking at the yeah. dynamics it's happening but it's not being accepted it's 
a lot of discussion is still needed, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think this is an important topic because the LGBTQI community, there are a lot of cultures in which they are clearly repressed and that they, they, they really have less rights in general, less sexual rights. So we really have to, and, and we will devote an episode on, on this uh, uh, also part of, of our diversity. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. diversity in terms of sexuality. So we do see that there are a lot of like uh, restriction rules, things that are allowed. We see some sort of differences between men and women that like let's say by the book we are all the same and it's about shared pleasure but at the same time we do see that men have a little bit more privileges when it comes to the practicing mm -hmm. uh, sexuality yeah i think it's also uh, when when thinking about 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 culture and, and how it affects our, our our sexuality what i really want to sort of um the message that we really want to bring here is that we have to respect each other's culture and that, that there are a lot of prejudice, a lot of misconceptions. And respecting also means, um, for example, when it comes to treatment of sexual dysfunctions, um, when I see couples with, with another cultural background, I think it's really important to respect. And we will have to adjust our treatment. For example, when a man with a Muslim background consults me with erectile dysfunction, yeah, I cannot give him masturbation exercises because I know masturbation is a difficult, it's one of also things that are prohibited in, in, in a lot of cultures and, and, and people who are strictly practicing. So I think it's it's not a matter of like, hey, well, I know masturbation exercises work. No, I mean, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't work for you. So I have to adjust my treatment. So that's about respecting the culture. Now, when thinking about sexual problems, um, what I notice is that a lot of people with, with a, a different culture or like with Islam uh, backgrounds, they, um, there's a culture in which you have to perform in the sense that it's also about raising a family. It's getting pregnant is really important. Eh? So when couples with a Muslim uh, background, um, when they have premature ejaculation or vaginismus eh, that interferes with getting pregnant, they actually consult for help mm -hmm. really fast because right. they want to have the problem solved. And uh, what we often see like that in, in more Western cultures, it can take years and years before they go to sexologist and, and like uh, Muslim couples will come after six months because you have to oh, fix the problem. Mm -hmm. yeah. And and one of the reasons mainly, it's not mainly, it's not only about I'm experiencing pain, but it's mainly about it interferes with penetration and we need to sort of be yeah. able to reproduce. So there you can see also how culture will affect the presentation of your sexual problems. Mm -hmm. So you can say there's less openness to talk about it, that mm -hmm. there's uh, some, some restrictions, but at the same time, they will seek help for it to sort of resolve the problem in terms of, of yeah, um, reproduction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How would you say you deal with that when someone with a cultural background well, it's always a matter of respect. The, the mm -hmm. thing is, of course, when it comes to getting pregnant and sexual problems, we always want to separate uh, the, the lust and the, the, the getting pregnant, the fertility mm -hmm. issue, because otherwise, I mean, you solve the problem in terms of, okay, now you can get pregnant and then you don't uh, learn them to enjoy sexuality yeah. or to engage in sexual pleasure. So yeah. I think it's also very important as a sexologist that we learn them to not only associate sex with reproduction, but it becomes a pleasurable thing. But mm -hmm. at the same time, you have to listen to the, the, the question and, and um, yeah, of the couple, what they want and what they need at that mm -hmm. point in their life. So do they want to prioritize fertility or uh, do they want mm -hmm. to prioritize uh, the sexual lust and pleasure? But it is indeed important how, how, how also culture can affect how we present ourselves and how we deal with sexual problems. Is this something that, that, that is talked about in, in, in your culture, sexual problems? If you're, do you ever talk about that with, with, with friends or with parents? If you would have like a sexual problem, would you talk about this? No, not in Korea, I don't think. For example, um, 
all of us are female here, uh, sometimes people take uh, contraceptives mm -hmm. to regulate the hormone, hormonal um, hormones. <laughs> um, yeah, and mm -hmm. then if you don't get regular periods at a certain time, like you're sometimes prescribed uh yeah daily yeah, yeah daily contraceptives to cope with that um a lot of females in korea especially unmarried individuals they wouldn't talk about this with their yeah. mother yeah. and i've had uh, friends who said i really want to go check this out with the gynecologist but i can't go because um if i go then they will have the chart and this is uh this can be exposed to yeah. the family because yeah. of the same health insurance yeah. of the family and so yeah they just forego and yeah never get checked out is it like a fear of the family finding out that there's potential intercourse or exactly yeah, yeah. potential intercourse because why would you otherwise yeah. Yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah okay yeah it's the same in my culture as well like contraceptives is just taking when you're married if it's taken before that no you're doing something deviant and why would you need that and, yeah. and it's, it's very like that and in general going to a gynecologist you only do that when you get married and for me that's mind-blowing because you have a lot of issues you should get checked right. out and i know so many females that have like horrible horrible menstrual cramps and they never get it checked out yeah. and it's normal because they just don't want to go to a gynecologist okay, yeah, yeah. it's not something that you would do mm. so like I, I relate to that a lot and as well but i have a question even if they're 18 years old that could be shown to the family because isn't there like an age respect for that as well actually that i think it still can if you oh. are under the family's yeah. insurer okay. not yeah, family's okay. insurance. so in yeah. korea we have national insurance and then mm. each household is kind of grouped together okay. yeah. and hence mm -hmm. yeah the, the exposure right. Okay. Yeah, but I can imagine that that uh, it's like uh, culture will interfere indeed with like uh, having contraception or not. But also when you think about safe sex and, and how is it like using condoms? Is that because you can only have sex for reproduction or in a marriage? So why would you then have a condom? Is yeah. that more a little bit a line of reasoning? I think so. I think so. Definitely. I feel like to be honest, I um, I feel like anytime there's like medical things that need to be taken care of like physical things i would be really open to go to my mother with that sort of stuff mm -hmm. because she would want like she cares about my general well-being mm -hmm. but i don't think i would necessarily relate that to sexual activity but more yeah. as in like a doctor like a medical issue you know yeah, yeah. yeah. menstruation Same. yeah exactly yeah. so i feel like that's really possible but yeah it's interesting when you think about mm -hmm. yeah now, we're talking about our culture and respecting each other's culture, uh, but there are some, let's say, in my opinion, exceptions when it comes, yeah. for example, to uh, female genital mutilation. I know that in some countries who do it, that they prefer female genital cutting. In my opinion, it's really mutilation. Um, it's really about partial or complete removal of the clitoris, the labia, or infibulation, which narrowing of the vaginal opening, which is a way of controlling female sexuality it's Definitely. this idea that it keeps them pure yeah. that it's uh, protecting them against infidelity but it's of course i mean it's terrible because the clitoris clitoris is our sexual organ so if you just cut the clitoris yeah then there's no sexual pleasure anymore in women so there we also know that for example in fibrillation it needs to be opened by surgery or during penetration so the first times of penetration you're ripped open mm. it's really yeah. painful <laughs> and and so Obviously, women have a higher chance of having dyspareunia, pain during sex, uh, low sexual desire, because what's in sex? I mean, you don't 
feel anything, you, you have no pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of sexual problems, a lot of uh, issues with that. So I think in a way, I, I do want to respect all traditional rules and 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 um and, and, but it really this is an exception for me female genital mutilation i don't know maybe Rana, in egypt i know it's a common practice the female genital mutilation it was a common practice and i'm really happy to say that actually uh, our president a few days ago announced that if somebody does it a doctor or a midwife or whatever they actually go to prison for doing that oh great so, finally, yeah, finally finally we're there <laughs> finally we're there i know there's a lot of still steps to be taken for women because it's just basic human right it's her body mm-hmm. it's literally mm-hmm. people again controlling women's body that's all mm-hmm. what is it about it's not in religion it's not in any aspect but it's no. again telling women no you cannot enjoy sex it's that control again over yeah. women you cannot yeah and it's clearly it has nothing to do with islam this no, is a, a north not. african practice it's, it yeah. seems to stem from the pharaohs, the pharaohs or something used to do it. Yeah. Yep, the pharaohs used to do it and i mean with so many practices that we don't do now from the pharaohs but this one continued yeah. for so long i mean but the thing is also that a lot of women don't question the practice they just do it because it's it's just what they have to do so as a young girl i mean this is just to be part of your your culture you need to do it and and people don't question it and i think that's also a big problem that people started to question it the only thing that i'm a little bit afraid of if like if it's not legal anymore is there not going to be a lot of illegal practice of people who are practicing Mm -hmm. that is the risk okay if they do it in a doctor in a safe environment with with uh with with yeah safe material and healthy practice but then there's a risk that there may be other people will do it like healers will do it in less hygienic circumstances but they still would go to prison for it that's still the thing so if it i mean they could do it in secret of course but if it is found out then that's that that's the consequence of their action and to go back to the point that you were saying that sometimes the women just do it again education takes part here because uh also a lot of uh people in, in egypt and sometimes women are not educated they don't go to school even if the family if the family sorry if the family is poor or uh, social economic status just don't allow that or again about controlling women and they don't just study if you educate the women and if yeah, we have exactly. that room at least for because sex education is not just about the sexual pleasure it's about disorder it's about consent which consent yeah. is also a big part of the whole process and it, again it's about practices like that that women should know that no this is a this is not part of your yeah. religion this is just controlling yeah. you you shouldn't be doing that and you shouldn't yeah do if, that you, if you don't know better you just do it exactly. and you don't question it so it's really about uh raising awareness yeah, yeah. i think another issue is, is is um is the idea of honor killing and shame killing which is also in a lot of countries in which the idea that also different standards there for men and women of in the course. sense that men have to protect the family honor and women are responsible for the family yeah. honor which means that whenever there's premarital sex or extramarital sex or divorce or rape if women are raped eh, they are victim but then the men have the right to kill the wife because yeah. she's damaging the family honor which is terrible because when we think about some war situations like in Syria in which a lot of women were raped by by soldiers i mean they have to flee the country not because of the war but because of their family chasing them to kill them because they dishonor the family and i think these are just practices cultural beliefs cultural practices that we really need to sort of fight against because i mean obviously i think we can all agree that that is not okay yeah. right I, I imagine that's pretty difficult, right? As someone like you who like travels around and tries to educate people from the Western perspective, that it's a lot like you don't know our culture. 
Yeah, but I do feel that there's a kind of paradox and ambivalence there because often I, I went a lot to Egypt and to uh, Saudi Arabia and, and, and these countries to talk, for example, about female genital mutilation. They know my perspective. They know I'm a Western woman and they know what I'm going to talk about and they still invite me. So it feels mm. like they on the one hand don't want to hear it but at the same time they do want to hear it because otherwise they would they wouldn't invite me so there's mm. kind of this i think it's part of this awareness that they know okay maybe it's not completely okay let's just hear out what mm -hmm. she's have to say and I, I talk a lot about female sexual pleasure also in in um in countries where i feel that female sexual pleasure is, is not uh, not uh, prevalent yet and i think that yeah people are curious they want to know there's clearly mm change going on and I but I think it's also the way you bring it and I think this is the most important thing it's about respecting the culture I will never I mean there's one thing in which I take a stance when it comes to female genital mutilation but for the rest I try to respect mm -hmm. the culture I try to respect the tradition and I think that is the most important thing just to sort of let's say educate people talk about sexuality what else is there uh, outside your culture and that we can learn from each other and i think that is the most important thing and i hope that also this podcast uh, we, we covered a lot of topics and I, I learned a lot from you from from the three of you about your culture and how you sort of um yeah how it influenced your own sexuality how, how sexuality is in different cultures and making this distinction between culture and religion and I think this is important just sort of let's just talk a little bit more about sex Definitely. and learn from each other's perspectives and it's not that the western is the ideal when it comes to sexuality and Islam is also not the ideal and Korea and Asian culture is also not the ideal it's just let's just learn from each other yeah. I think that's mm -hmm. the most important thing Definitely. so thank you really for uh, joining uh, this this podcast. I, I really hope all, all of you enjoyed listening and that you are more curious to learn more about uh, different cultures and how it uh, affects our sexuality in so many different parts of our life. Thank you all for listening. Bye. <laughs>